Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday or whatever day you're listening to this. It's Fat Mascara, and I'm Jen. I'm Jess. We've got an amazing interview. I think people are sick of me because I think I did the, like, the last two weeks of interviews, but luckily Jess and I together got to talk to today's guest. Okay. I am so excited to introduce you all to Aliyah Raza. So she, she was, and really I think she still is very much like a visual artist. She started as a visual artist and then 
you're going to hear her whole story, ended up creating really organically, like no other fragrance brand backstory I've ever heard of, created this beautiful fragrance line called Regime de Fleur. And I have to tell you, just sidebar, when I got to Moda, I had, I've probably mentioned this with a couple brands, but it's a true story. I had a little sticky note of the brands that I wanted to bring to Moda if I got the job, and Regime de Fleur was on that list. It is one of the most romantic, poetic, smart, elevated, like unusual fragrance brands I've ever experienced. Jen, what did you think of our conversation? I'm excited about it because I think it goes, first of all, I went back and looked at her IMDb and her directorial short films and everything. She's a true artist and really kind of the embodiment of a theme that we've had going on here at Fat Mascara for a little while that is sometimes not just the faces you paint are art, but the products themselves are art. And she even used perfume in her art. So we're going to hear about all of that. I'm so excited you brought her to me, to the fam. Let's get into the interview. All right, Aaliyah, describe your childhood through fragrance. Like if you, if you were to close your eyes and think about growing up, it's like a little exercise I just made up. Okay. What's coming through for you? My childhood and fragrance. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of my dad's aftershave, lavender, his face. I think because men, at least at that time, they would splash cologne on their face. It was always very like, you could smell it more on men than on anybody else. So my dad was always very scented with his lavender aftershave. I don't know who made it. My mom, her Guerlain perfume, of course. We had a lot of flowers in the house. We had, my mom was a gardener and I grew up in Buffalo. So it's not exactly known for like tropical flowers, but she had a greenhouse and in the spring and summer, she had a garden outside. And so I, I was just exposed to a lot of flowers and from a young age. And I loved them and I got very used to them. We would pick them and bring them inside from the greenhouse. And there were there was jasmine and there was stephanotis and there were lilacs and roses and honeysuckle and peonies. There were these peonies in the front yard. Oh, and apple blossoms in the backyard. There were just so many different botanical, floral, plant smells that I think about when I think about my childhood. And I think about the smell of my house. What was your house smell? The house smell was... It's hard to describe a house smell, but... Yeah, it it is. It it was green because of a lot... There were a lot of plants, but it was also like my mom smoked. So sometimes it was smoky and depending on what was cooking, of course, that's always a house smell. One One of the main kind of scent memories from my childhood. Actually, before I get into even that one, the other big thing that comes up for me when I think about my childhood and scent is beauty products like shampoo and Pond's cold cream and Noxzema. What shampoo? My mom had a balsam scented shampoo. Uh, Of course. Yeah. Flex. We all. Flex. (laughs) It it was a flex. and And I loved that was very herbal. It was amazing. <laughs> and then I used finesse. Oh, that's and, a goodie. That left your hair really oh, soft. It really was the best smell. It was I when I try to think of the smell now, I'm I think of it as like a peppery, spicy gardenia almost. It was a very kind of yeah. beautiful scent. I was gonna guess white floral. Yeah. In my it's, memory. It's yeah. a spicy white floral finesse. 
I want to go back. I'm, I feel like I have to order a bottle of finesse now. And I don't know if they've changed it or not, but it's a great smelling shampoo. And, and I think at some point, sort of fruity smells took over in the shampoo world. Mm-hmm. Early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah, exactly. It was just fruit, mm-hmm. fruit, fruit. Mm-hmm. And it, But it wasn't like that in the 80s. And <laughs> gay, I grew gay, up in gay. the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, then herbal essences came in and it was all like, yep, super fruity yeah. apple, pineapple, whatever. That's yeah. funny. And, and now there's like Olaplex is really pineapple for me. Well, I would prefer to go back to a more floral moment in time. It feels more yeah. like opulent, more more elevated. It's more elevated. Yes. yes. Yeah. We love an elevated beauty product. By the way, I love that you're from Buffalo. <sighs> Were you like a Bills fan? Not at all. I hated the Bills. I, <laughs> I, I hated football. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't picture you having a, a Bills moment among all these florals, but uh, yeah. No, but, but the thing is, my brother was a huge Bills fan, and he was so into the Bills that he got even like my parents into the Bills, like my mom and stuff. And so I had three siblings, two parents, and then little old me, I was the youngest, and I was the only person in the house that didn't care about sports. So I didn't that go to the rough. hockey games or the football games. Yeah, it wasn't rough. It allowed me to carve out my own identity and my own space and my own thing, you know? So I got, I was like the artist in the house and, and in the family. Well, we can see that because you then became level. Why don't you tell us more? Let, let you tell okay. the story. So then you carved out your own identity yeah. as an artist, as a young person. You didn't jump to becoming a perfumer. No, I didn't. Well, I remember even being like going back to childhood. I remember my parents really encouraging me when it came to visual art. They thought that I was interested in it and good at it. And I loved to draw and paint. And, you know, I remember my, my mother was really encouraging of that part of me. And there was even above our dining table, there was like a framed quote unquote painting that I had made when I was four years old because, and because mm. my mom thought it was so good and it didn't look like a kid had made it. Like it looked, I don't know. It, it, they always told me I was good at art and they kind of encouraged me to be artistic. So I feel like mm-hmm. for, for people from like a third world country that immigrated to America, where are they from? They're from Pakistan. And that can sometimes be unusual. A lot of times, I think, especially parents from Asia and South Asia want their kids to grow up to, to do something really practical or kind of like law or medicine or whatever. And I was, in, in a way, I feel really lucky that they, probably because I was the youngest of four kids, they were just like, let her do what she wants. But yeah, so I just always assumed I would, I just always wanted to grow up to be a visual artist of some sort. And, and to me, that meant when I was really young, I loved to draw and paint, but then it became more about like photography. And in high school, I got really into photography and video and filmmaking. And by the time I graduated high school and moved to New York, I was pretty sure I wanted to work in film in some way. And it, you know, that kind of became wanting to be a director. There were no fashion videos at that time that that came way later, but whether it was making movies or video art, experimental film, that became kind of my thing when in my twenties that I, that I wanted to, that I was pursuing in New York. And then eventually I moved to LA after 10 years in New York city. It, It never occurred to me, you know, I loved fragrance and I loved 
scent. As we said, I love flowers. And and as we also said, I loved beauty products, but it never occurred to me to put all those things together and make perfume for a living at all. It was, it never, you know, I think when you grow up as like a creative artistic kid, you think about careers that you might go into and it's like, there's music, there's visual art, there's writing, there's maybe filmmaking, but no one ever thinks I'm going to grow up to be a perfumer at least not in Buffalo, you know, maybe in the South of France they do. So for me throughout my twenties, it was, I I just was working as an artist, as a visual artist and thinking a lot about fragrance and buying fragrance and wearing fragrance and loving fragrance, but really not knowing anything about it. I do remember when the internet happened and all of a sudden everybody had those colorful, what were they called? IMAX, the like the colorful yeah. tangerine and grape and yeah, you know, exactly. Like the one Carrie had in sex in the city or whatever, when everybody got those and everybody started using the internet and everybody suddenly had email. I remember I would just sit around Googling different tropical flowers. Like I would Google like the word gardenia, the word tuberose. Cause I wanted to know as much about these flowers as possible. And back then the internet was relatively new and Google was relatively new. And I remember like it would tell you the amount of search results for whatever word you were looking up. And it would be like gardenia, 43 results for the word gardenia, like on the entire internet. And now I I think if you look up any word you look up, there's like hundreds of millions of results, but back then, like it was all so new. And so I started reading about, I, I mean, I was a weirdo. I just, I was fascinated by these kind of night blooming white flowers and the scents that came out of them. And ultimately that became something that I was exploring in my visual artwork. And in these experimental video artworks that I was making, I was thinking, this was like in my late twenties, I was thinking about a lot about scent and actually like an imaginary scent that I had in my head and kind of using that scent and these flowers and all of that as kind of a metaphor to talk about other things in the video. With the imaginary scent in your head. Yeah. The imaginary scent in your head, I'm like way jumping ahead. We can circle back to this, (laughs) but like, did you ever make it? Uh Uh-huh. I did. And it's in the line now. It's not in the line, but but everybody's encouraging me to put it in the line. Yeah. I think I will put (gasps) it in the line. I think I have to at some point. Before we hear about Regime de Fleur, what was the scent that was in your head that informed your videos? It started off being like a version of, it it was like a poisonous, toxic flower. And it started out being like a version of like a gardenia tuberose scent because I always thought they smelled like poison. And they don't really just smell pretty, like a rose or like a daisy or whatever. they're, They're kind of these really lush, complex night blooming nocturnal white flowers and they're deep and they're dark and they have all these different molecules in them that are also present in all sorts of crazy things that humans think they hate the smell of like rotting flesh or (laughs) fecal matter and 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 these flowers share odor molecules with these crazy material with these crazy things and the more I read about them the more fascinated I was by them and so the scent in my head was the most extreme poisonous decadent dark version of the scent of these flowers and the videos I was making 
the, the series of videos that I ended up making over a period of like three or four years, I called it hypnotic cascade. And that title came from a poem that I had written. I can recite the poem for you. If you really want, want me to get weird. The poem was get weird. I can, I can remember it. Hopefully the fragile, you brought white, this on yourself. I brought it on myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm no stranger to weirdness. So, I mean, I, I do think it takes a weird, it takes sort of a weirdo to teach yourself how to make perfume. You know, it's like such a, a thing to do. The fragile white blossoms emit a hypnotic cascade of tropical perfume whose sweet, heady odor leaves its victim intoxicated. And so that's in a movie. I feel like that's got to be in a movie. That was the title of the video series that I made. And so eventually, for short, I called it Hypnotic Cascade. And eventually I decided after like three or four years of making these videos and showing them in different galleries. And there was this little gallery in downtown LA, which doesn't even exist anymore. But they had asked me to show some of my work, some of my video work. And I just thought it's been like five years of showing, of working on these videos and this series. And it was at this point, there were 10 parts to the series. And it was all these silent black and white videos with different kind of performers in them. And I just thought it's time. I have to make the scent. I've been thinking about the scent for so long. I have to actually make it. And so that's when I actually started to research and go deep into what is perfume? What is scent? What is it made out of? How do you create it? How do you bottle? How do you take something that you're thinking about in your mind or something that you smell in the air and put it into a bottle or put it into a, a form that you can share it with other people whenever you want. When you think about it that way, it's basically a magic trick. And I think when I go back and think about what fascinated me so much in my childhood about scent and perfume and, and the smell of beauty products, it's that idea that you're bottling such an ephemeral thing and making it permanent. Mm. It's almost like you're turning a scent in the air into a painting or a piece of art that you can experience whenever you want to. And you've captured it. Yeah. Like a feeling, an emotion. You've captured it physically so that you can then experience that feeling and that emotion whenever you want to. Did that make its way into your artwork? Like, did you scent your installations, your videos? Did you make it like a multi-sensory experience? That is what I did. At what point was it like, okay, let me bottle this and make it commerce, not just art? So it, it was kind of a quick jump from one to the other because I, I remember doing the show in LA at the gallery in 2013 and there were like six of the videos playing on the wall and then some works on paper that I had done using ink and perfume to kind of create the patterns on the paper and then the scent in four different ceramic bowls in the middle of the room and it just kind of emanated out of the bowls and scented the whole gallery I remember being very nervous that it wasn't going to be strong enough because I was just doing this all in a very experimental way. I wasn't working with professional chemists and noses who knew how to like make a scent diffuse properly and all of that stuff. So I was like, I'm going to put this scent into these bowls and hopefully it'll waft into the air and people will get it. Luckily, people could smell it from the parking lot. Like it really, <laughs> it worked. And I just, it felt really gratifying and, and I loved doing it. It was like a really natural leap to go into starting to bottle perfume after that, because there were even people, I remember the night of the opening that were like, I want to wear this. And I was like, well, 
I didn't make it for people to wear. It's, it's a scent. It's a fragrance that's made in an art context and it's just meant for the room in the gallery. And they were like, no, we want to buy it and wear it. And so it was like the gears started grinding or whatever in my head. And I was like, I, okay, I might be like a broke artist, but maybe I could be a not broke artistic perfume creator instead. It took me like several months of continuing to experiment and trying to make different things and giving them to friends and having people wear them before it actually became a brand. So when you think about your brand, Regime de Fleur, and you look at the landscape, how is it different? Like, what is it offering that's different than what else is out there? It's a really good question. I don't know of another perfume brand that started the way that this one did. I see the successful brands out there and they were mostly started by people in the beauty industry Mm -hmm. or people who set out to create a perfume brand. I just wanted to incorporate scent into my art practice. And I was, I was coming at it from a really naive place of wanting, really wanting to make things that I thought were interesting. It wasn't about trying to make things that I thought people would want to buy. And I, I think that has both helped me and hurt me, or it's both helped the brand and hurt the brand because on the one hand, it has made the brand really unique. And on the other hand, I've been doing it for eight years now. It's going to be nine years in a few months. It's taken me a long time to grow, to have it go from being part of my art practice to being a legitimate business. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Honey Love. 
Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's good. Joanna Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lattes in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just <laughs> going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. If we took out the word perfume and just put in the word art, of course it didn't work that way. That's not how artists think, right, about creating art. They're not like, let me make what will be sellable. There are, yeah, there, there are some. Right. Well, then I was like, well, Jeff Koons, I don't know, maybe like puts out balloon doggies all over the place or Warhol, you know, made it into a business. Yeah. But if you came at it as an artist, which it sounds like you did, then of course you weren't thinking about selling it. And of course you weren't thinking like, I wonder if people like this. You were just like, I'm making a creation. It happens to be olfactory, not visual. Here's what it is. Yeah. And and I think even more than that, even once I decided this is going to be a business and I'm going to be a merchant, not just an artist, even then 
I like resisted. I never, I, I had this thing where I was like, oh, I don't want to just give people what they already like. I, I, I don't want to do anything else that's already on the market. Maybe I wanted to impose my own ideas rather than fit into the marketplace. And most of the other brands that I am aware of, it's a very simple thing in order to be a brand and stay alive, you have to make things that people want to buy. And so yeah. if, you're, if you're creating a brand and a business, you're going to set out to make things that are popular. And I just didn't, I wasn't thinking of it that way for years. I really wasn't. Never say never, but like, what's a, what's a product? What's a fragrance that you would never do that you feel is like, you might be that the market might want. Or that you feel like maybe you've been pressured or someone said, you should really do this. There are definitely people, people write on Instagram and they're like, what do you make that's really sweet, that smells like vanilla? Or I, I really like to smell like candy. What do you have that smells like candy? And I'm like, I don't want to smell like that. <laughs> I, it's kind of like, I think there's an interesting way to do that. I think you can do that in a really interesting way. I, I think Terry Mugler did Angel and, and that's just a sickly sweet kind of, to me, like a poisonous cotton candy, gourmand, fruity patchouli. Like it's, it's a really challenging scent and it created the whole gourmand category. So I do think that you can take things that are popular or that a really broad audience might want and do them in an interesting way. And at this point, that's where I'm at. Like I want to make things that are interesting to me, but, but I've made, I've made dozens of perfumes that are interesting to me. I also do want my company to grow and I want to make things for people, but my way of doing that is that I would only want to do it if I can bring something new to it. Yeah. That makes total sense. So do you think you're at an inflection point with your brand where it's like, okay, those were the me that was all mine. Now I'll do for you. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I think more than that, literally being what I created, like for me, as opposed to for you, I think I was approaching it and thinking about it that way before. And whereas now I'm approaching it and thinking about it in a different way, maybe a more generous way or or just a different way. So that creative process now, how does it look? I I assume it's not, I want candy and now I give them candy. (laughs) It's a little more complicated than that. (laughs) It can be a little more complicated, but it can also be really simple. Like there was one perfume I made two years ago that hasn't actually even been released yet. It's coming out next fall, but it was a pretty simple concept. It was just, I want to make a tuberose for people who don't like tuberose. And I want to bring something new to the idea of a tuberose perfume because there are so many hundreds of tuberose perfumes that do smell really similar. And so I was working with a friend of mine and he hated tuberose. He didn't like the smell of tuberose. He wasn't a white floral person and he didn't really like tuberose. And I said, well, so we ha- our challenge is very clear. We're going to make a tuberose that you like just by virtue of the fact that he hated it and we were going to turn it into something he loved. We ended up changing it and making what I think is a tuberose that is one that doesn't smell like any other white floral that's ever been made before. And I shouldn't be plugging this. It's not coming out till next fall, but... I was just going to say, can you give us an example of an existing scent and how that process worked with one of like your most popular fragrances? Yeah, absolutely. So one of our bestsellers, of course, is the collaboration I did with Chloe Sevigny. Uh, It's called Little Flower. And 
She, she chose, she came up with the name herself. She loves roses. Actually, this is an example of something that I never thought I would do. I was never that into rose. I never wore any rose perfumes my whole life. I really like the more lush tropical smells and rose was kind of too dainty in English for me or something, or just the image of it. I mean, you, you can do all sorts of amazing things with rose in scent, but in, in my head, I, I had stayed away from it for the first couple of years, but I had known Chloe for a few years and I'd always associated her with roses. And so that became a challenge for me. Like, how do we do a rose that I would wear? And yeah, the creative process was let's smell all these things together and talk about what we like and what we don't like. And let's choose a perfumer to work with and well, in, in, in the case of a project like that, you, you can work with three or four or five different perfumers and they all kind of make versions of the scent that you're asking for based on your brief. And then it's in a sense, they're like bidding, bidding on the job and you choose mm-hmm. the one that you like the best. And in that case, we chose to work with Jerome Epinet and he made a really, really nice, fresh rose. There, there was a perfume in the line out of stock right now. It's coming back later this year, but it was called Cacti. And Chloe used to wear that perfume and, and it didn't have any rose in it, but it was a really fresh black tea, citrus. And, and so I thought, what if we do like a, almost a rose version of cacti? So we ended up creating like a, like a sister scent to the one that she already wore. And that ended up becoming Little Flower. But there were a lot of versions. I mean, I think there were 33 versions. Wow. Do you have your favorite perfumers or do you work with different ones depending on the scent and what suited to it? I work, well, I, I want to work with everybody. I, it's fascinating for me to work with because, you know, I'm an experimental perfumer. I'm self-taught. I'm not a professionally trained chemist. So I can sit in my studio and blend things and I can come up with something that smells great and that people want to wear, but there are certain things that I don't know how to do and that I will go to the big guns for. And that's somebody like Dominique Ropion or Jerome Epinette or there's a perfumer I love to work with named Donna Romanowskis. Mathieu Nordin, he's amazing. Pierre Negrin is also amazing. A lot of them are French, of course. I would love to find more perfumers who aren't French and who are maybe women and who are people of color and you know not from like a legacy perfume family in the south of France. But in in the case of certain perfumes, like when I've done there, I've done two white florals with Dominique Ropion, neither one of which is out yet, but I knew I wanted to work with him because he's kind of the master of white florals and I love white florals. And so, yeah, sometimes I, I want to work with a specific perfumer and other times I'll make something in my studio by myself. I'll make a blend and I'll bring it to the lab, one of the labs. And I'll say, I, this is like a starting off point that I want to turn into a proper perfume. This is like an accord that I made and I really love it and I've been wearing it and I want to turn it into something more complex. And then we start that way. There's so many different ways that, that the process can start and that it can go. Other times it's like an ingredient, like, okay, I've never worked with leather before. I need to, I want to try challenging myself to work with leather. So let's do a leather scent. And that's how I came up with leather petals. So it's all, it's different every time. 
It kind of sounds like the way artists approach things, though, like as a challenge to themselves, not just like, okay, we need a fruity floral because they're hot right now. Totally, totally. And like, I do think maybe it would be to my advantage to think a little bit more like that, but uh, it'll come in time. <laughs> you know, the, the, the company is still really small and we're lucky that we have like a very loyal audience that, that loves what we make and that kind of wants to make, have everything that we make. And so they keep us afloat, but it's still a really small brand. It's certainly nowhere near like thinking about focus groups or what's popular or anything like that. I think yet. what you do feels comes from your heart and it comes from your gut. And it always feels like when you have something new, it feels like a surprise and people yeah. can sense that, you know? So I think if you were to start going with like the mood or the vibe or whatever the hell you want to call it, it would start to feel like it would start to blur with some of the other brands out there. And I don't, I think that's when you kind of lose it. I think you're a hundred percent right. I got invited to like a seminar by one of the really big labs recently. And it was a seminar on what ingredients were going to be hot next year in the next two or three years. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, that's the Mm -hmm. last thing, like the last thing I would want to do is know what ingredients they're pushing and what Mm. ingredients are going to be trending. And I just don't want to do that. I think that's valuable for, for, for a lot of brands. And and I I don't think those things are wrong, but I think for somebody like yourself and where you are right now, it's like you're a leader and you're, there's so few of people like you right now and you're in such a great position and people like don't stay in that where you, that spot where you are for as long as you have been. That's a really good point. I think you're right. I think some people are in more of a rush to kind of grow more quickly. Yeah. I can think of like five brands right now who have, who have been, who occupied your spot and then are so quick to leave it. And now it's like, cool, I can't tell the difference between them and like five other brands that are all using woody, smoky, amber. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, they take on an investor in order to grow and then the investor, the investor expects a return in, in three years or five years or sooner. And so they don't really have that much choice. They kind of have to, which I mean, maybe that, maybe I'll do that at some point and it'll, and I'll, it'll be another fun challenge for me, you know? Oh yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at that. Like, you know, I would understand why you do it too, but yeah, yeah. no, cause it can, it can, it can be part of the artistic journey to make things for a really, really wide audience, but figure out how to keep it interesting for me. One thing that has definitely occurred to me is that when I was making films and videos and artwork, I remember there was this moment where like I was getting some attention. I was being noticed for some of my short films and video mm-hmm. artwork. And I think William Morris Endeavor, one of the, that was, that was the one they contacted me and they were like, we've, we've heard, we've read about your video work and we'd love to have you come in and meet with us and talk about working with you. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And so I went in and I showed them my work and they did not get it. You know, they were just like, okay, goodbye. And I was like, there goes my Hollywood career. But what occurred to me several years later is that my work with fragrance is just as experimental and abstract as that video work had been. But in fragrance, I'm allowed to get away with it and still make a living. Whereas with film, if you want to make a proper living as a filmmaker, you kind of have to fit into what they want from you. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like if I want to make a perfume that has only three ingredients, I do it. And if I want to make a perfume that has 350 ingredients, 
I do it. And both of them might end up being really popular, but in, and those are like some really experimental limitations to put on yourself. But if, if you do that in film, if you, if you purposely try to make something esoteric in the film world, it's not going to go anywhere. Like there's, so, there, there's such a, a narrow place where you can play in film to be successful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like you have to tell a story, a proper story. And But there's an audience for both. And it's like, I think that's the thing. Like a retailer might be like, but who's the audience for this weird 350 ingredient fragrance? And it's nice to be able to say, oh, they can go to this other fragrance if they don't like this one. Yeah. You have a, you have a whole line now. So yeah. It's gotten wider exactly. though. That's true. In the past few years, there's more people who want to buy niche expensive fragrance. So that's good for you. I was going to say eccentric molecule is, is a great example of, I mean, I think that's such an experimental, interesting idea and it really took off and that's cool. I like that. Which fragrance is the most personal to you? The one that's most personal to me is called Jade Vines and it's being released in a couple of months actually. And it's, it's one that I didn't collaborate on it with anybody. I made it just by myself with the, with the perfumer at the lab. And it takes me back in many ways to my mother's greenhouse and my childhood. And, but also it's like a fantasy version of a greenhouse. It's really misty and green and humid. And it combines a lot of things that I love into one. It's a white floral. It reminds me of my mother. And that makes it really personal. I'd love to know, like, before you started your line, like, what are some other, like, I feel like it's such a high bar for fragrance. Like, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be big. It's got to have emotions, got to have heart. Before you started your line, like even maybe back in your childhood or before you started your line, what fragrances did you wear or which fragrances do you respect? Oh, I can tell you so many. Give us just like a few, like, like top five. Okay. This is an interesting little story. There was this little boutique, gift shop, boutique store in downtown Buffalo that I went to. I remember going when I was like 13 years old and they had all this cool stuff. You know, it wasn't like going to the mall. It was like they had cool stuff by independent designers. And it was really inspiring to me even as a 13 year old. And I remember discovering this perfume there. And the name of the label was Motura. And I I assumed it was like, or I assume now that it sounds like a Japanese word, but they had this scent called heaven and it was in this frosted glass bottle. And I just fell in love with the scent. And then they had another one called grass. These perfumes, they were so niche and independent and they didn't smell like anything else at the department store, or the normal places where people bought their perfume. And so I, I remember buying them and I wore them all the time. And I would get so many compliments in like eighth grade from other kids being like, what is that smell? Like, and I'd be like, oh, it's called heaven or, oh, it's called grass. And then like (laughs) two years later, I was walking through the mall and I walked by the gap and they bought the company and just rebranded it as the gap. And it was like, it was the same packaging. That's where those famous gap scents came from? Yeah. It was called Motura. We should Google it. It was like the same bottle, same frosted glass, same name, same logo, everything. But it just said the gap on it. When you said heaven and grass, I was like, I feel like I know where the story's going. Yes. Yeah. I loved Dewberry from the body shop when I was younger. I thought that was 
really yummy, fruity floral, and it it had like an edge to it. When I was 12 years old, maybe 13, 14, I I remember my mother had a bottle of Amarige by Givenchy, and I started wearing that. I fell in love with that, and only later did I realize that it was made by Dominique Ropion, but that was one of the reasons I really Mm. wanted to work with him. Then I fell in love with Fracas. They relaunched it in like 1998. It had been dormant, I think, for a while. And somebody bought Piguet and then they relaunched Fracas. And it it came out at Bergdorf's. And I sm- that was the first time I'd ever smelled it. I think I was like 20 at the time. And I just fell in love with it. And that's a perfume that I have so much respect for. I mean... It's a really, really, really avant-garde perfume. It's incredible. I love that it was made by a woman back in the 40s. And it's just an amazing perfume with an amazing story. And it smells incredible. It smells, it's a really disturbing smell, honestly. It's, it's really quite perverse. It's quite sick. It really smells like almost like the inside of somebody's body or something. It's, it's quite gross. <laughs> You know, it really, it really is. Yeah. I remember Madonna wore it. Madonna and Rose McGowan. It's like a boss for fans. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Courtney Love. Yeah. Well, I you mentioned things that you loved when you were growing up. Are there any other beauty products now that you love besides perfume? What are you, what are mm. you into these days? Favorite mascara, favorite makeup, or are you all scent all the time? No, no, no. I, I love beauty products. I'm not so into makeup. I assume I, you're not using Noxzema anymore. I wish I could because I miss that camphor, but... And now when I want camphor, I'll use like P50, which it, 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 it's not necessarily the best for my skin because I have rosacea and it does turn me red, but I love the smell of P50. There's this brand called Allies of Skin that I saw an ad for on Instagram. I had been using Augustinus Botter for years, like everybody else. And then I saw this ad for Allies of Skin and, and I just bought those and I'm excited to try them. I, de- I love skincare products. I do. And I, d- I don't use that many of them. Like, I don't layer them. I'm always trying a new moisturizer, basically. It's good. I'm glad. Your skin will thank you that you're not yeah, layering exactly. them. More is not always better with skincare. No, I, I, I'm also, like, the same. I don't have the time, nor can I, like, take it. It's just, like, one and done. Yeah. I'm, like, control testing. Because it's, like, if you put on so much stuff, you don't really know what's going on. So it's, like, oh, my skin liked it. You don't know what's going it. on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. I, I think it's, like... You wash your face, you put on one great cream, and then maybe you put on makeup on top of it or like SPF and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't have time for too much layering. Once in a while I do, but that's it. Especially like in the summer, I still love buying shampoo because I think when you wash your hair in the shower, it's a really great way to experience fragrance. So I'm always looking forward to trying a new shampoo just which shampoo are you loving right now i love the shu emura it's like in a really dark bottle and it's it's like it's a white floral shampoo and conditioner but i also like the augustina's Botter shampoo and conditioner and they completely fragrance free it's so good it's so good it's i know really it's good. like at first i was like okay why are they like getting into hair care they're yeah. good at skincare like let it be like enough, but it's good. It's so good. It's so good. I know my, my hair always looks better after it's like shinier. It's like feels like lighter and more like, like I feel like it's been purified without, I sound like a without stripping it's been purified, but it's very good. I okay. Agree. We're going to do a quick lightning round. Okay. So just like first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. First beauty product you ever fell in love with. We know about the finesse. Do you have another one? Pond's cold cream. 
Movie you never get sick of. Wide Sargasso Sea. It's an independent movie from the 90s. It's based on a novel that I love. Okay. Sorry, I, didn't, I haven't seen it. See it. It's it's really, it's it's amazing. It's really sad, but it's amazing. There are a lot of movies I never get sick of. A lot. One is Rosemary's Baby. And I know it's made by a criminal. I know. I love but it a is lot of a, movies like that now. It's a stunning movie. It is. It is stunning. It is stunning. We could separate the art from the artist right here in the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. Yeah. Safe space. <laughs> Safe space. Okay. Image that's always on your mood board. Who keeps coming up or what keeps coming up? Dita Blair. Dita Blair. Anything having to do with Dita Blair is always all over my mood board. I love her so much. And she wears Regime de Fleur. Oh. Right. I had to get that in there. Wait, which, which one? She wears one of the very, very early ones that I made called Dove Gray. I love that name. I know, I'm, but I'm thinking she, I should reach out to her and just create one with her. I just saw her actually at the flower shop like a few weeks ago. Well, that's kismet. Yeah. Call her. I know. Also, you were at the flower shop. Like that has to happen now. Yeah. This is very like, a, this is, yeah, things, lots of things are aligning. Okay. Cheap thrill snack. Those Justin's peanut butter cups. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. With the, yeah. with the, and they have a new they're kind. They're at the that's counter. Like, yeah, they're at the counter and they have a new kind that's like, it has like crunchy quinoa on it. Sort of like an elevated I, I was unaware. crunch. Yes, you have to yeah, try Yeah, I was about to say, this really is like good. a fancy, like, to me that's fancy. This is not a cheap thrill snack. This is like, okay, that's well, like an elevated. Well, a, cheap, <laughs> a, a really cheap thrill snack is like yeah. bubble gum. I like bubble gum. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bubblicious, like bubblicious water. Watermelon flavor. Like the class. Yeah, yeah, I got or you. Grape, okay. grape hubba bubba. Yeah. That flavor is gone by the time you finish saying hubba bubba. Hubba bubba. Okay. Ready? If there were to be a movie of your life, who is going to narrate it? Well, it doesn't really make sense to say like my dad, because that's not a fun answer, but, and it wouldn't be him anyway. Um, but okay, you, can wait, say, who, you can say your dad. No, it wouldn't be my dad. Who would narrate the movie of my life? I thought you were going to say who would, you know, the... The more obvious question would play is who you? would play you. Yeah, but who would narrate You can change it? the question. I don't care. <laughs> change it. Well, I want Angelina Jolie to play me. Oh, I like that. Jen, we should change right? the question who to who would play you. I think that would that's better now. Start but if it no, okay. but if it was who would narrate, maybe Vanessa Redgrave. Okay. Starring Angelina Jolie as narrated. But Vanessa, you are, yes. Yes. I have such a character portrait of you after this interview. Like there's complexities, there's animalistic, there's like decadence, (laughs) white florals. Like you're like Berlin in the 1920s in my brain. Do you Uh, you get it? I I love, I love the portrait painter, Christian Schad, who worked in the 20s and 30s in Berlin. He's incredible. Yeah. We're totally on the same page. Yeah. You get me. Dark. That's the vibe I'm getting. Those paintings. Yeah, like a little sketch of you over the course of this interview. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. This was so cool. This was great. Thank you, Aaliyah. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat Mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. 
You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.